It's the 23rd of December 1991. A blizzard falls over Stockholm, keeping its traffic to a standstill. A hundred kilometres away, a car has crashed in a ditch and three bank robbers are fleeing from it. The police don't know the identities of the men they're chasing. But Stefan Thunberg did. Hi, uh, my name is Stefan Thunberg. I'm uh, the co-author of uh, The Father. I'm also a screenwriter in Sweden, but most of all, I'm the fourth brother who follow robbery after robbery from the inside. Hi, I'm Anders Roslund, um, co-author of The Father. Today I'm a best-selling author, but back then when all this happened, I was still a TV reporter at the biggest news station in Sweden, and it was my job to cover this three-year-long period of brutal madness. Together they are Anton Svensson. And this is Made in Sweden, the six-part podcast about the incredible true story that inspired their novel, The Father. I'm Ed Wood, and this is a family tale like no other. Episode 3, Dancing with the Bear. Okay, he said to me, my brother, when uh, I asked him if I could join the gang in the next uh, robbery. Uh, but first he said, I want to show you something. So we, he took me into the uh, guest room in uh, the little house that they lived in at that time. And uh, he picking loose these floorboards. And under the floorboards, I saw that he had uh, buried a big safe into the floor. And he opened this safe and it was an ordinary safe big and I could look down in it to, to in it and it was you know an empty big safe buried into the floor and then he walked to the uh, to, to the um, box on the wall and he opened that box and he fibbled around with the uh, cables in in that box and I could hear this uh, buzzing sound like bzzz from the safe and I walked to the safe and I looked down in the safe again and I could see the floor in the safe slowly to that sound go down into the darkness you know down and I could hear and I and it was like a just empty space under there dark empty space and he switched and he took up a, a cable and and put it into the uh, what call it that on the plug socket and a light was lightened up the room under there, and it was a secret room. It was a safe room, something like uh, you know, like a panic room. In that room, it was like 221 automatic weapons that they have stolen from this military bunker. Machine guns. Yeah, machine guns and automatic weapon like uh, AK, AK, um, what do you call it, uh, AK-47 in Swedish? It's like AK-47. No, AK-4. Yes. Well, yes, almost the, the same. The big ones. It's like a, it's like Kalashnikov. Like I'm not so good at weapons, really. But so the walls were lined. The with walls weapons. in that room was lined with weapons, over 200. And uh, he told me that uh, they have stolen that weapon from this military bunker, um, and the police didn't know at that time that they had stolen these weapons. It was like because they had done it in that kind of way that wouldn't be discovered in like 
two or three months. So they'd so they'd hidden their crime, so that the police yeah. wouldn't discover the weapons theft for several months. No, exactly, and that was a part of their tactics against the police because they could use new weapons every time. So they couldn't, you know, if we did one robbery, they uh, changed the weapons to the next robbery, so they couldn't connect the weapons from robbery to robbery. Do you see? But, but you should also remember when your brother is showing you that uh, secret room under his normal room where your mother slept when she was visiting you on that uh, that was built in an area where there used to be a, a lake before so no house was supposed to have a cellar so he did that uh, he built the cellar and he did that, that quite a complicated system how to control the water lever because the sea was trying to break in of course and he has to to sort of uh, make sure that the weapons were not uh, hurt in any way so that made that uh, cellar that weapons whatever his own weapons cave so much harder to find because it was not supposed to be anything down there but of course he's running a construction company at this time i mean what a what a perfect cover to to build a safe room to hide 200 plus automatic weapons in. Yes. And, uh, you know, and if somebody should uh, uh, see the safe, you know, and it's just a safe buried into the floor, nothing more. Do you see what I mean? Nobody think like, oh, what's under the safe? It's, it's... And, and in the book, we have this moment where Leo's girlfriend sees those weapons for the first time. Yeah. The floor's uppermost layer was made up of black and white vinyl squares that lay under the thick rug they were standing on. The squares looked shiny, new. Leo let go of her hand and crouched down. This is your room, Annela, and Sebastian's. She allowed herself the shadow of a smile. He glanced at her, still as pleased with himself as he rolled up the carpet and pointed to four of the squares, and then uncovered two iron pull rings. The cops are here searching, and for some damn reason they find a couple of floor tiles that are a little loose, and then these iron rings that you can grab onto and lift up. He took hold of the circular loops and jerked upward. A block of cement came up with it. They figured it out too, discovered this loose piece. Then they see this, a safe, solidly cast into the floor. Oh, what a fucking joy for the cops. Now they've got us. He gently gripped the combination lock on the safe, and then, with a hell of a lot of luck, they figure out the combination. Let's imagine that. They work out the combination. He twisted and turned the knob and opened the steel door. Inside was a safe with black velvet edges and no seams sealed tight. It contained a small plastic bag filled with 500 kroner notes, a camera, some loose cartridges, a heap of papers that looked like certificates and contracts. Leo picked it up and laid it on the floor next to the opening, and then they see this. Nothing at all, the end of the line, and so they move on to another room, glad that they found a hidden stash of cash and documents that seem important, and some rifle cartridges to do useless tests on. Leo went to the room's only window and to the junction box attached to the wall above it. He unscrewed the cover and lifted it off. Two electrical cables, one red, one blue. He looked at her and smiled like before, touched the two cable ends together and closed the circuit. Go over to the safe and look down. A droning sound. And then, 
the back of the safe slowly disappeared while they were looking down. The cops have left and they missed it all. Everything was underneath the safe. A quick kiss on her cheek as he walked over to the hole and crouched, put his feet on the aluminium ladder, climbed down and turned on the light. Suddenly there was a room where there had been no room before. Two rows of wooden shelves along the walls, guns standing up, submachine guns on the top shelf, AK-4s on the lower. The Phantom and his skull cave. And five machine guns right on the floor behind the ladder. Don't you see? The Phantom's safe where he leaves messages for the jungle patrol. Her bare feet climbed down the narrow rungs of the ladder. She wobbled, regained her balance and stepped down onto the cold floor. You know, the safe in the police station, the Phantom had a secret tunnel into it. He was able to open the bottom of the safe and put in his messages for the headquarters of the jungle patrol. And every time the Phantom or the chief went there, a new message was waiting from one of them. That's how they communicated. A room containing automatic weapons, almost as big as the bunker they had come from. Anala looked at the ladder she'd just climbed down. Feel this. Leo took her hand, held it against the concrete wall. It's dry, right? No moisture, no water. He got down on his knees and lifted a hatch on the floor. A large cement pipe, a sump with a pump installed inside. The house is built on a lake bed, so you can't build a basement, but with this... We'll be able to control the water level. When the water reaches here, the maximum limit, the pump will start running. Leo and Anala stood and held each other in a secret underground chamber with cold floors and an opening in the ceiling, and 221 automatic weapons in two rows. Everything they needed for the next robbery. And the next robbery. And the next. And the next. And what was your reaction, Stefan? My reaction was, this is so smart. The, the, the way of buried the, this, this safe into the floor and the construction to open the safe, the, the floor in the safe with this, uh, I don't know what the, the hydraulic... Hydraulic. Hydraulics, you know. And, and, and he was so proud. You know, it wasn't the weapons. It was the, 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 the construction, the, the room. I'm sorry, so, so your reaction wasn't this is frightening. It wasn't, this is wrong. It wasn't, they could kill someone. It was, this is clever. Yes, because I didn't connect. In that moment, I didn't connect the weapon to, you know, to the violence, to the robberies. It, 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 you know, when you look at something like that, it, it's more like you talk about the, the safe and, and things like that. But of course, then... Uh, my th- that was the, the the reaction in the moment, but after that, of course, I was thinking about this is a this is weapons. This is weapons, and you can kill people with it, and and they can be killed. Like you know, it's it's a part of the game. Anders, how did they use these weapons? What I was surprised when I started talking to Stefan about all this was that he was there in the room. He was showed this uh, cave which nobody knew about. Because that was a mystery. Where are the, all those wa- weapons coming from? And not at that moment, your brother Leo told you, Stefan, this is nothing we talk about. Because that was so obvious. He can show his brother not being part of the gang, 221 uh, machine guns, and he knows that he will not tell a soul, not even his own girlfriend. So that was sort of a, a 
I don't know, prove the system or trust. Those weapons were, as you said, Stefan, uh, sort of the gain of the the biggest weapons that we have had in, in Northern Europe ever. And with them, uh, they could start this long trip shaking our country, committing robbery after robbery, uh, and they they never risked using the same weapon twice, meaning the forensics could never combine them if they should be arrested later. Uh, so they destroyed, uh, after using two weapons in one robbery, they destroyed them, and they still had 219. So they had weapons enough for 100, 100 robberies about. And how did they use them? Did they kill people? They didn't kill anyone. They didn't uh, hurt anyone physically. But of course, inside, they traumatized cashier after cashier, guard after guard. Um, They used them with the same philosophy as the father so many years before, or 10 years before, taught them, taught Leo. When he learned, he taught Leo how to dance with the bear. And how to dance with the bear was Ivan's, or the father's, philosophy. Uh, How to use violence to get what you want. To use violence as a tool. Uh, A weaker opponent, a smaller opponent, could always uh, win against a stronger opponent if you do that smart. If you sort of hit the bear with small hits, time after time, you can dance around the bear and, and, and you can sort of hit him at the right place, at the right time. And with, with all the force you have inside you, you use the violence to scare him away. Growing up, Leo used that tool again uh, when he suddenly, for some reason, wanted to, to, to rob banks instead. Then he had this philosophy. Uh, we can fight a bigger, stronger opponent, meaning the police, if we just use the same amount of violence, we scare them away. They should know that we are ready to kill, to shoot. They should know that we have weapons as strong as they have. So then he teaches the youngest brother, Vincent, his own brother, the bear, how to dance with the bear, how to use this philosophy. So, so the philosophy of even teaching a kid to survive is now used from the older brother to teach the younger brother how to rob banks. And as we know, in the end, not trying to spoil the end, but then the older son, Leo, again has to teach his father dancing with... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The beer. And last time we heard, Stefan, you had said yes to joining the gang. You had asked to join the gang. Your Brother Leo had said yes. He showed you the guns. 
Then what happened? Then I went to my art school and I painting, painted pictures, uh, drawing. But, you know, I was in a relationship then and I, um, I started thinking about what I had uh, asked him to be a part of. And uh, after two, three weeks, I really realized that this is not me. I'm not the kind of kind of guy who robbed banks. That's not. That's really not me. So, filled with that, uh, and with a, you know, with, with a bad conscience too, because I I have told him that I want to be a part of it, and then I have to call him up now and tell my uh, say to my brother that I want to uh, uh, go. Uh, don't be a part of it anymore. So, you know, it was a. I called him up and I told him, Leo, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to be in the next robbery. And it was silent in the other, uh, on the other side. And, and after a while, he, I could hear his voice and he told me that, Stefan, you could have call, called me, you could have told me that a little earlier because now I have to replan the whole uh, robbery. That was his answer. Then we didn't talk about it anymore. After that phone call, how much yeah. longer was it till the second robbery? Was it next week? Next no, I don't remember. I think it was like one month, uh, four weeks or something like that. So it, it was. Uh, um, so they hit the the, the the next robbery was against what we call in Sweden the postkontor, and that at that time, you know, the post office, and uh, the, uh, it's it's like a yeah a bank. But so your three brothers put on black masks for yeah. the second time, took their automatic weapons. And this time they were hitting a building, yes. not, a, not an armoured car. Yes. Let's hear some of the section from the novel of that second robbery. From his station in the middle of the bank, he was able to watch Blue 3 open the door to the vault, shovel wads of cash from three shelves into his shoulder bag and then shoot the safe open and empty it of 500 kroner notes. Meanwhile, Blue 4 moved methodically from till to till, knocking over the chairs that stood in his way, pulling out drawers and emptying the cash into his shoulder bag. Jasper was acting perfectly. Vincent was acting perfectly. Only Felix left. Blue 1 to Blue 2. He pulled the microphone on his collar closer to his mouth and looked through the window to the van, which still stood in the square with its engine running. Do you see anything? I see something. You know the place next to the bank? I mean, the Ant Pizzeria. What a stupid fucking name. Blue 2, do you see anything? There are three men sitting in the window. They've each got a beer. They're staring at me and drinking and... Damn it, Blue 2! Sirens! Cops! Do you see or hear anything? They keep glancing over at the bank, eating pizzas with canned mushrooms and ham. They seem to be having a very nice time, anyway. A voice that often grumbled and questioned, but that you could always rely on. And because of that, started talking about beer and canned mushrooms and three men in a pizzeria, calming his big brother, who was standing on the other side of a display window inside a bank, surrounded by terrified people, counting time. 150 seconds! Time for Jasper to get out of the vault, for Vincent to finish with the cash tills, for Felix to start rolling the instant they came out of the bank. Leo would continue counting down, leaving the bank last and guarding their path to the getaway car. 160 seconds! Vincent jumped over the counter, zigzagging between the bodies both on the floor and standing behind him. 
Felix hit the accelerator outside the window, and of course Leo stood still, watching, counting. Then one more shot was fired. Jasper. He should have been one step behind Vincent, but he was lingering in the vault, shooting the lock off the next safe, opening the next compartment packed with 500 kroner notes and stuffing them down into his bag. 170 seconds! And the next safe. 175 seconds! And the next safe. 180 seconds! They had agreed to work together using a method that maximized profits without increasing risk, an agreement that Jasper was breaking. Again. Out! Leo took aim at the ceiling. Get out! And fired. Out! 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 Two shots in the ceiling just above the vault. Drywall dust and plastic splinters fell onto the people hiding their faces on the floor, and it was as if Jasper suddenly understood. He dropped the box he just emptied, closed the bag's zip, and ran towards the entrance and the square and the car. So what we have is a gang who will never question each other because they're family. They implicitly trust each other, even someone who backs out of being in the gang. And they're military trained. How was the media, how did the police see this as it was unfolding? They must by now have started to recognise after the second robbery, after the third robbery. Did they recognise what they had on their hands? A military trained family gang is that did they recognize that anders slowly that pattern stefan is talking about since they used military weapons and there were supposed to be none outside uh, uh, and there were different weapons each time the police slowly uh, guests realized that must be the same group they used the same pattern it was like military operations they were very precise. It was 180 seconds every time, in and out, one person counting down. Uh, that they were dressed in in uh, military, you know, uh, boots, and uh, it was a military operation. They used military uh, weapons. They could handle them. Uh, that procedure when you load, when you shoot, you can see they were trained. So slowly, two, three, four robbers, there was a pattern being made. Uh, and uh, because the first thing they did, that was after 12 seconds, I think that's the longest one they have. They shot the cameras and they, that, that's the only pictures they have. From the first robbery? Yeah, from, from almost every robbery. Uh, you have a few seconds when they walk into the bank and you can see they move the same. It's the same amount of people. And, but then, and they aim and they actually hit uh, the, the cameras. And, and, uh, but that was it. They were wearing black masks. They had no criminal record, no criminal context. Wherever the police were looking, inside the prisons with old contacts outside uh they were still faceless uh and that was sort of creating that mystery slowly and at this so at this point the the gang are in charge the police don't know where they are they don't know who they are the public are afraid i imagine yeah afraid worried uh who is going to be hit next time what little village or or town next time and the question is, how far can it go? How much can it escalate? Stefan, how much d 
did it then escalate? If you have robbed two banks in the same time, why not rob three banks in the same time? Uh, if you have the three banks on the same spot, you know, in the same, uh, around the same uh, square, you, so, so they find this place and they start planning for this triple robbery. And, uh, and I think the plan was really to, if we can rob three banks, we can maybe get over uh, 20 millions or something like that. And then we can go back a little bit. My younger brothers really wanted to do this hit and then get out of the business of robbing banks. Uh, so that was the plan. Did your parents know about the robberies? No, no, not in the beginning. No, no, my mother didn't know anything about this. And uh, she's all, all the time under this, in the, uh, in the, uh, under these three years, she really thought that my brother had this uh, construction company uh, with his younger brothers. And she was so proud of that, you know. But she didn't know what they did under the surface, you know. And she was in the, uh, you know, that guest room I talk about, and, and Anders told, uh, mentioned that too. Is she, she's, she was sleeping in that guest room on that weapons under the floor, like, and she didn't know anything. We're now at the height of the gang's activities. And at this point, this is when they set a bomb in order to distract from one of their robberies. Tell me about where you both were that day. I think I, I was on my way home from the art school and uh, I went by the central station and I come there and it was a lot of cops and it was, uh, you know, uh, all the train traffic was stopped and I didn't know anything about that it was my brothers who had put the bomb there. So I remember thinking, who is the idiot who had done this? Like, so. Anders? Yes, and I was at the same spot. And now we have actually seen on telly that we were just a few yards from each other. Uh, I was in the central station among all those scared people in shock. It was chaos. But I was on the other side of the barricades, the high mental fence. Because I was held, held, I hold a microphone in my hand. I was reporting for that big news show. I was reporting about a bomb or a bomb attack and much later I learned that the attack, the bomb, was there for luring or attracting the police force to the central station, the whole Stockholm police force and when the group they were hunting the most uh, was on another location and of course then totally undisturbed and uh, uh, they could carry out yet another robbery. Made in Sweden was presented by Edward. The authors were Anders Rosland and Stefan Thunberg and the producer was Gavin Osborne. The Father by Anton Svensson and published by Sphere is available from Waterstones and all other good bookshops. The audio book, recorded and produced by Chatterbox Audio, is available from Audible now. The Made in Sweden podcast series was recorded at the RNIB studios with post-production by Chatterbox Audio. This has been a Nashet Audio production.